children open the shoe boxes they are so excited those faces just transform yeah these kids behind me are so excited because they've just received their boxes the mouth is wide open the voice is raised the smiles are all over that box brings joy we're right now in Phnom Penh in Cambodia I mean it's just been incredible Kids are so excited, giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name, and that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you. It's a gospel opportunity. It's the chance for the children to change the entire life. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders, it knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. Churches are doing big things with Operation Christmas Child. Everybody out there who packs shoe boxes, they are spreading God's love. 
It's families, it's churches, it's hundreds of thousands of volunteers that help make Operation Christmas Child so successful. We couldn't do it without them. With this box, they do get the gospel story. They do hear about Jesus. It has maximum impact in the worldwide kingdom of Christ. I mean, what better thing could you do than be involved in fill shoeboxes? Some of them go by train, some go by camels, some go by ships. These boxes go all over the world, and that is only the beginning. After receiving the shoe boxes, the children will be invited to go to the greatest journey, which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. After a child completes the greatest journey, they graduate and receive a Bible in their own language. When the light of the gospel is turned on, that changes everything. Churches are being planted, lives are being changed, communities are being transformed. The word of God is spreading. The gospel is advancing. It is impacting children, it is impacting families, it is impacting the world greatly. Thank you for praying, thank you for giving. I would like to ask you to consider packing shoeboxes year-round. God will bless and God will use your gift to touch the life of a child and to be able to do it in Jesus' name. So thank you, thank you for being a part of it. God bless each and every one of you. family. As many of you know, here Only Believe, we have a nursing home ministry. This year, we were thinking maybe we could bless the residents with Christmas cards. Um, a way that we can do this is to get your whole family involved. You can make, uh, make cards, you can buy cards. We really don't care how you do it. Just be sure to include Jesus. What you're going to do is you're going to fill those out and you're going to drop them off at the Welcome Center. And if you have any questions, contact me or John and Marie Hall. Well, good morning. How are all of you guys out there? Well, you know, Pastor got the COVID, right? And I said you got it. Well, you know, past tense. Okay, you had it. Uh, they just constantly correct me. But anyway, uh, so he had it, and thank God I never got it. That's a miracle. I know. But I same as had it. I had to be confined with him. <laughs> honey, get me this. Honey, get me that. Honey, honey, honey. No, I didn't mind, but we did. We were, we were quarantined for a long time. I don't even know how many days. A long time. Nikki says a long time. Listen, Nikki had him at first, okay, for four days, and she was ready to get rid of him. How many days? She had it for five days. And she said this. She was about ready to go stir crazy because they had to wait on him hand and foot, even though he wasn't sick. But anyway, uh, no, really. We had a good time just being together and 
talking and him sleeping and, you know, not a problem. <laughs> All right, but we're glad that you're here this morning and thank God I'm back in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. We are back in the house of the Lord. Um, also, I want to welcome all of the first-time guests. If you're here for the very first time, uh, look in the pew, in the back of the pew in front of you, and there's little cards. And if you would be so kind and fill one of those out and just drop it off at the Welcome Center when you leave today and make sure you say hi to somebody out there. We're not going to bug you and bombard you with a bunch of stuff, but we just want to know that you are here and your name will be there. We can pray for you. And we're just glad that you're here today. And I did meet a couple of them out in the lobby a few minutes ago. So we are very glad that you're here with us. And now they told me that I've been speaking to the wrong camera on live streaming. <laughs> so he's waving his arm back there. How am I supposed to know which camera to use if they don't tell me? There's no light back there. So anyway, we want to welcome all you live streamers this morning. We're glad that you're watching and that you're going to participate in the service today along with all of us. Wish you were here, though. Really do. Uh, listen, uh, we want you to keep inviting your friends and your neighbors here to the church. And we lay one of those little cards on the pew so that that will remind you. And you can give that to a friend or a neighbor and invite them to your church, okay? This is a good thing. we got to be about the Father's business, be out there winning souls and doing what God has told us to do, all right? And then we are definitely in need of coats uh, for children, for adults, men, women. We need slightly used coats because we have outreaches around the area. And listen, there's so many people that doesn't have a coat. And if, if I probably could do the whole neighborhood, because Nicole says I have so many coats, but they're not, they're not their size. Some of them's not their size. But I am going to bring a bunch of my coats. I keep forgetting, and then we had the COVID thing, and so that stopped me, but I'm going to bring my coats. So what's it time for us to do right now? Worship the Lord. Amen. Well, if you would stand to your feet with us, it's time to praise our King. Amen.
found in the living waters. You're the wellspring, you're stirring. You're the life for your sons and your daughters. Eyes are open to the unseen, and my faith is arising within me. So bless the Lord now, sing it out loud. Come and give the Lord his glory. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deeper, deeper still into your love. Because your love keeps going deeper, deeper still. You're calling me deeper, deeper still. So I'm going deeper, deeper still into your love.
Your word remains the same, yeah. 
This young man's just going to share a little bit of a testimony with the congregation. Okay. So I had one of the strangest but realist experiences last night. Uh, there was paranormal activity. Sheets were ripped off the bed, uh, blinds opening, and at one point in time there had actually been a blue orb that I inhaled and felt go into my throat area. and. I felt bad up until here, and I was praising back here, and I literally felt and then seen the blue orb leave. And, and it was death. 
It was death. Yep. And it's gone. I mean, I've seen it go, literally. Ray told me that it was misery and, and this, this, that had come over him to take him out. And Ray's had a struggle. He's pushing through where he's been in his life. And he said, Nick, I'm telling you, the devil came to take me out, but it, God released it in this service today. Hallelujah. Well, come on, let's give him a praise for that. Let's give him a praise. A life changed. Hallelujah. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Yes, he is. He's faithful. Come on. I dare you for 10 more seconds just to give him a praise. Give him a praise that he's worthy of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wherever you are in a moment of time, God will use that moment and set you free of something that you have been struggling with, something you've been wrestling with, something you've been bound by. God will set you free. And as you reach out towards God, God always reaches out towards us. Amen? His hand is stretching forth to us. It's not short and it's not weak. It is long and it is strong. And God is here to deliver people. And if you'll just allow God to take whatever you have, He will take it, and He will do something in your life that you cannot do on your own. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated this morning. I get the honor and the privilege of receiving the offering. I don't want to take it because something taken simply is not willfully surrendered. But you know our tithe and offering, these are the foundational stones of our financial responsibility and commitment to the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Exodus, the 35th chapter, Moses take from among the people an offering. And all of those that desire for me to dwell among them will have a willing heart to participate because it takes our participation in what God has empowered us or given us to do to be stewards of. A steward is something that watches over something that belongs to another. And the steward carries out not his own will, but the will of him that has entrusted or enabled him with goods. Now it can be time, it can be uh, skills, it can be talents, it can be all kinds of things. But today we're talking about, right now in this moment of this service, about our tithe and offering. Tithe and offering is an act of stewardship. It is where God increases us and then we honor God with the increase, a portion of it, called a tenth, then what we do is we become stewards of that money. 
we distribute it where God has given us direction to distribute it. Therefore, his plan and his purpose come to pass. And that might seem a little, but there's so much more behind it. Because while we're being good stewards, God is transforming our life. He is causing us to develop faithfulness. He's causing us to develop diligence. He's calling, causing us to develop faith, reliance, confidence, trust in God. Though it looks like we have little, when we command or we submit to that declaration of God's command, to be due, due diligence of good stewardship. And we honor God despite what we're facing. Guess what? God counts that as faithful. And as you are faithful over little, he makes you ruler over much. So today is not only a proving ground, but it is a place of stewardship. Not only of stewardship, but it is a place where we declare that God is my provider and he is my source and he is my refuge that's what we believe amen hallelujah so let's get our tithe and offering ready praise god make it out uh, to only believe ministries christian center and uh, of course that goes into the general fund and enables us to do lots of things here in the church and lots of things around the world and in our community father i join my faith with every individual here today. I join my faith that God, you will show yourself strong. As we show ourselves faithful to you, you will show yourself faithful to us. God, you are our source. You are our provider. The world, God, is not. You are. And you meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory because of our covenant, our sonship, and our joint union and heirship through Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Stand to your feet and let's bring it unto the Lord. to God. Amen. Everybody good? Amen. Turn to your neighbor one more time and tell them, hey, you know what? You make this church beautiful. Beautiful. 
Now, if you think you're going to lie, don't do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we have started this wonderful series called The Blessed Life. And Pastor Dosick kicked it off a couple Sundays ago. And he talked about the heart of generosity. And then Pastor Kylan kicked it off last week, continued it, and talking about the test. God is testing us. And he talked on tithing. And so I get to uh, take this week, and then Pastor Dosek next week will put the cherry on top of it all and, and finish this series all out on the blessed life. So we got a lot to talk about today, and uh, it looks like I've got at least, I got about an hour and a half, right? We got an hour and a half. This is a blessing, okay. So uh, we, we better get started on this. Uh, I want to ask you a question as we get started. How many of you guys remember the song, Eye of the Tiger? Uh, would you play that real quick, band? Oh, they're gone. Okay, never mind. They're gone. Eye of the Tiger. Okay, how about the, uh, the other song? Uh, let's see. It goes something like, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. That's absolutely, that's good. Uh, how about a TV show from 1995? I think it was a movie called Eagle Eye. Yeah. Uh, okay. Some of the elders in the house that remember that. Remember that song? All right. And uh, let's see. Uh, how about, oh, we all know stink eye. We all know what stink eye is, right? Right. Anybody? Don't know, you don't know what a stink eye is? Who don't know what a stink eye is? Raise your hand. I'm going to show you right here what a stink eye is. That right there. That's a stink eye. Right there. We got another one. So look at that one. She's, she's got a stink eye going on. We got one more. Look at them. Stink eyes, man. I'll, I'll tell you what. So that, if you didn't know, that is what a stink eye is, if you didn't know, all right? So, and we all know what pink eye is, all right? And unfortunately, unfortunately, there used to be a television show years ago that was called The Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. How many of you remember that show? All right, so we've heard about those type of statements that deal with the eye, but how many of you have never, ever heard of a statement called the generous eye. Raise your hand if you've never ever heard the generous eye. I'm going to be straight up with you. I never heard of that before. You know, yeah, I do read my Bible, okay, and I have never ever come through a scripture verse that talked about the generous eye. And so, as I'm looking this up, it, there is. There's a scripture verse that talks about the generous eye. And if you have your Bibles today or whatever you're using, your electronics, turn with me to Proverbs, the 22nd chapter. Proverbs 22, it's verse 9. It's a really simple scripture verse. I think we all have it memorized by the end of the service. We should have it memorized by the end of the service. And it says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed. That's it. That's it. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Say that with me. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Not maybe, not might be, but will be blessed. So how many of you in here think that, hey, I have a generous eye? All right. I know I do. I know I do. And we're going to talk about that, obviously, here today. So, uh, let's see, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And if you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're generous with your life, God will be generous in your life. So, if you're generous with 
your life. That's the key word. God will be generous in your life. And that's what I want you to write down and remember. And Luke 6.38, which we all should know this scripture verse, that talks about that and says that exact statement and phrase and backs it up. And it says in Luke 6.38, Give, and I'm going to add, with a generous eye, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured back into your bosom or your chest, or your life. That's what bosom there means. For with the same measure you use, or I can say it this way, how much generosity you pour out, it will be measured back to you. In other words, a generous eye will be blessed. Amen? If you're generous with your life, God will be generous in your life. And really the cool part about all this that we're talking about is that you get to determine how blessed that you want to be. Right? If you just want a salad, you just have a salad. If you want the whole seven-course meal, well, then you get the whole seven-course meal. You get to determine how blessed you want to be in this life. God is so good. He doesn't make us do anything we don't want to do. Amen? But yet, if we're not, and we don't do it, then don't complain about the people that do get it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That wasn't even in my notes. All right, praise the Lord's already starting. <laughs> we should want to see life through the lens of how can we make other people's lives better? What can we do for somebody else? How can we have a generous eye for this person or that person, for this situation and that situation? And I know this is absolutely not what the world would talk to you about. The world is absolutely against this type of message because the world says it's us for and no more. That's exactly what the world is all about. But that's not what Jesus is all about. And you as a Christian, that should not be about what you should be about. We should be about others, not ourselves. Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about the Next Steps program? I got the honor of teaching the fourth step. And the fourth step was making a difference. And we said, how do we make a difference? Was by serving. Serving was by making a difference. And I think, I guess I could say it this way. The most selfish thing that you could do in life is to serve others and have a generous eye for others. That's the most selfish thing that you can do. And the more selfish that you are with that, the more satisfaction you're going to get with that. Amen? Amen? That's, that's where selfish is good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But as God is blessing us, as He starts to increase us in our life, as we use the generous eye method and blessing starts to overtake us, two things start to happen. Number one, pride tries to enter in into our life. Pride. And you know, pride is all about the letter I. Get yourself a candy bar, Frank. That was awesome. It's about the letter I. I did this. It was me who done that. I did that. I built that with my own bare hands. I'm the one that figured that out. I deserve the praise for that. I'm supposed to be able to gloat because it was all done by me. Pride. That's pride. That's arrogance. Since I did that, I'm entitled to it. It doesn't matter. But let me tell you what God says about pride, and then is in Revelations 3.17. If you have that, you can turn there. 
Revelations 3.17, there is a church in Laodicea in Revelations, and it's a very prosperous church. As a matter of fact, the whole city is very prosperous. Again, the city is called Laodicea, and they thought that they were all that. They had it all together, man. But Jesus talks to them because they weren't listening to nobody. And Jesus says this to them in verse 17. It says, because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and I'm going to add, or nobody, do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? What? Are you kidding me? This is what Jesus says to them. I bet you that just shook their world. I mean, that turned it upside down. What? Jesus is saying, what? Oh, my gosh. See, they forgot where their wealth came from. They lost sight of it along the way somewhere. Humbleness became prideful. So we have to watch out for that. And we all know pride comes before a fall or destruction. Look at King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar is a prime example of that. And that's found in Daniel 30. And he says this. I guess, I don't know if he was talking to himself. He might have been, I think, looking out a big window in his palace or something. And he says, is this not great Babylon that I have built? Uh-oh. <laughs> By my power and for the honor of my majesty. I, 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 pride and arrogance. And the Bible says that as he was talking, Jesus, man, messed the boy up, stripped him of everything while the guy was talking. And he ended up going out into the pasture with the other animals for who knows how long, eating grass and being like the animals. Now, how would you guys like God to do that for you? <laughs> Woo, holy moly, no, no thank you. See, we have to remember that every perfect gift comes from God. Everything that we do, everything that we have comes from Him. He's the one that says, if you have a generous eye, you'll be blessed. He does the blessing. So we have to be very careful that we don't let pride creep in and forget who our source was and is. But then on the opposite spectrum, there's also shame and guilt that tries to come on some of us, all right? Some people are prideful, and others are embarrassed. They feel guilty or shameful. In Genesis 30, we find that. Jacob is praying to God. God is blessing Jacob, and he says this. After God is blessing him, he says, I am not worthy of even the least of your mercies or blessings, and of all the truth which you have shown me. I'm not worthy of it, God. Well, duh, Jacob, none of us are. <laughs> you know, none of us are. But when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're following what God says to follow, when you have a generous eye, when you're giving, when you're not sinning, when you're living the Christian life the best that you know how, repenting when you need to, confessing your faults to one another, being Christians, then blessing is going to come, Jacob. It's going to happen. And you can't be shameful or guilty for it. Because God does what with everything? He adds what? No sorrow. No sorrow. 
to the increase that you have in your life. So pride says that I deserve it, and shame says that I should feel guilty for it. And I want to give you a couple examples because I was sitting there. All right, well, okay, that's great, but maybe some, some people are new and, and maybe they don't understand all this. So I always like giving examples of myself. So I'm going to be very <clears throat> open here. At times, there's a lot of people, and some people, I should say, they, they come over to the house, they say, oh, man, Randy, you got a really nice house. And I, I always say, and I, this is every time, and everybody that's ever asked me that can tell you this. I don't do it on purpose. I say, oh, well, you know what? I got it at a sheriff's sale. I got it at a sheriff's sale. You know, it, it was empty for, for three years. It had holes in the ceilings. You know, the guy lost it gambling in Las Vegas, which is all true story. You know, I mean, the weeds were up and everything, and, and you know, I got it for a song. And that's what I tell everybody. That's, that's what I do. Now, pride would say, yeah, it's the best one in the neighborhood. <laughs> Ain't nobody got a house like mine. I can't wait till they appraise this baby. Matter of fact, I'm going to add a pool onto it and maybe a foyer if my wife will let me. <laughs> yeah, that's what pride would say. So, you know, humility or guilt kind of says what, what, I, what I say about the house, you know? I don't, I don't bring in, well, man, God blessed us with this, you know? You know if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, that is a really beautiful dress you have on there. Well, pride would say, oh, I bought it at Neiman Marcus, yeah, and uh, there was only one of a kind, and it was in the section that really poor people can't go, <laughs> you know? That's, you know, you know. But humility, or not humility, but shame or guilt would say, yeah, you know, I got it on sale. Yeah, it was 80% off on the 80% off rack. That's what shame or guilt would say. Somebody comes and say, dude, that car is sick, man. That is a sick car you got there. That means awesome for some of us older people. Uh, you know, well, pride would say, yeah, I got two others just like it in the garage. Where shame or guilt would say, man, I, I got it at a sheriff's sale, or at a sheriff's sale, at a, a car auction, you know, it, it has a salvage title, you know, you know, that's what shame and guilt does. So that's the difference between pride and shame and guilt. And so as I say that, I know that some of you in here maybe say, you know what, I teeter-totter on either one of those sides. And without a show of hands, if you're sitting there going, maybe, maybe I do teeter-totter on on the pride side of things. Or maybe I do, you know, seem a little shameful or, or, or guilty for the things I have. And, and again, I'm going to be honest with you, I, for some reason, tend to side on the guilt part, on the shame part. I mean, every great once in a while, there'll be a guy that comes up to me, mostly he's a sinner, he's not a Christian or whatever. Dude, that is one smoking hot wife you got there, man. How in the world did you land her? Well, I, you know what? Shame or guilt comes in. I got her on sale. She's, she's 80% off, 80% 80, 80 off, you know, she's sale rack, you know. So, and, and I shouldn't feel that way. You know, I, be, I'm serious. Even in the closet with the towels, you know, when I go to take a shower, I open up the closet door and I look at all the towels there. I, there's a big fluffy one, always the big fluffy ones. I never go for the big fluffy one. I always go for the one that's got the rip and tear in it. How many of you do that? I don't know why. There's no reason you do that. Why do we do that? If there's a psychiatrist in here, you know, see me after church and help me, please. I don't know why I do that. But I just leave the big one for somebody else, and I should just go ahead and take that puppy. Yeah, because there's only two living in the house anymore. Well, Alexis says she don't, but she does, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know why we do that. So we have guilt 
and we have shame. And we got to be careful that we don't let the devil hurt us in any of those areas because it's not, it's not, it's not healthy to live in either part of those areas. Not healthy at all. And we can't let the devil come in and distract us and try to take what God has given us and blessed us with and mess it all up. We can't let that happen. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. So in reality, gratitude would simply say thank you when we get a compliment on something. That's good enough. All right? So, okay, go to 2 Corinthians 9.11. Because see, guys... God doesn't bless us because we deserve it. God doesn't bless us because we've earned it. And he definitely doesn't bless us so we feel guilty about it. Absolutely not. But 2 Corinthians 9.11 tells us exactly why we are blessed. 9 and 11 here. All right. That wind sure is pounding, isn't it, out there? Wow, that was like right now. All right. It says, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. That is why we are blessed. And let me read it in the NIV. In the NIV, it says, you will be made rich in every way or in everything so that you can be generous on every occasion that's all liberality and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God so notice what it didn't say there it didn't say that you will be made rich in just finances did not say that no it said in everything in everything so what is everything? That could be uh, relationships. That could be in your health. Hello? What about, uh, um, let's see, influence? Wow, man, can you help somebody if you're very influential? I've needed some help, and there have been some influential people that, man, have got me through where I needed to get through because they had a generous eye. So it's not just about money, but it's in all areas of your life. Amen? You know... Uh, well, I, I want to say I, I'm going to go too far if I do that, so I'll wait on that. But anyhow, um, so we are enriched so we can be generous to others. And that's the bottom line. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. We get to let the blessings flow through us. It's not just for us to have. So when the blessing comes, it just doesn't stop with us. We are a pipeline. It comes to us and then it should run through us to others. That's what blessing is supposed to do. In Genesis uh, 12, 2, and this is exactly what we're talking about, God tells Abram, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, he said, and then I will make your name great. So he ain't making it great on his own. God's doing it. And then after I make you a great nation... After I bless you, after I make your name great, God tells him, go out and buy four billion acres and keep it all to yourself. Yeah, so be a blessing. Woo! Shane's got it right. Get yourself a candy bar. He said, then go bless 
others. That's exactly what he said. So I've given you all this. I've made you this, Abram. Now it's your turn to help make others this. Be that pipeline. Let it get to you. Make sure you use it properly so you can let it run through you. And that's exactly what Abram did. The blessing came from God. Abram was blessed and he was able to bless others. So write this down next. Because God has blessed me with more, I will intentionally give more. Now, I know that hurt some of you. <laughs> you started right and you went, whoa. But again, remember, it isn't all about money. It's about everything, all your gifts and talents, whatever you have, give it abundantly to others. Amen? All right, so that's the first part. Now, I'm going to finish it up by talking about the three different types of givers that we have. All right? And there might be more, but these are, just, these are the biggest. And the first one is the spontaneous giver. The spontaneous giver. This one is pretty much what all of us in here are. We are all spontaneous givers. It's not a low level of giving, but it's kind of like the beginner step of giving. But yet we use it all throughout our life and all throughout the different levels of blessing that we get. We use this one here called the spontaneous giver. And let's read, uh, let's go to Luke. Luke, the 10th chapter. Luke, the 10th chapter. Are you getting something? Yeah. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. And we're going to go to verse 33. And what's happening here is there was a guy who went from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was walking and he got mugged. He got mugged by some thieves and they did what any mugger will do, messed him up. He was all hurt, bloody. They took everything from him and he was laying for dead. Now, this Samaritan, good Samaritan, was just walking along. He had some place to go. He was doing what he was supposed to. He was walking. All of a sudden, he turned and he sees this guy laying there on the street, on the sidewalk, on the dirt. And he was like, mm, uh, uh, <laughs> you know. Now, there's two other guys that was before him that didn't do that. They were like, whoa, I'm out. There was one guy that walked up to him and, nope, not today. Went across the street, the Bible said, and went completely away from him. They did not have a generous eye. But this good Samaritan spontaneously gave to him. And it says right here in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he was on journey, came where he was, the man that was hurt on the ground. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He had a generous eye. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out the two denarii money and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay him. So that wasn't scheduled. He didn't have that on his calendar. Cozy calendar didn't show that I have to go help this guy. No, it was spontaneous giving. And it wasn't just money. The guy must have been some kind of a medical dude because, man, he put the oil on him, he put the salve on him, he cleaned his wounds and stuff like that. 
So it was, and he gave his, his car, he let him ride on his car, man, his Porsche, whatever he had, you know, donkey. I mean, he gave a lot of things to him, not just about the money, but he was spontaneously giving everything that he could do to help that guy. That's a spontaneous giver. In John chapter 6, we see this. It was a little boy. Before he came out in the morning, mommy gave him some fish and some loaves of bread. Have a good day, son. I, you know, you're going to go see Jesus? Yeah, man, I hear Jesus is going to be uptown today. I'm going to go. I'm going to go see what's going on. So that little boy came out there listening to Jesus speak up into the evening time. And all of a sudden, Jesus saw the crowd. He had compassion on the crowd. They were hungry. And he says, man, we got to feed these people. And of course, you know the disciples. How are we supposed to feed 5,000 men and yet there's women and children with them? And Jesus said, is there anybody here that got any food? Now, that little guy could have went, no way. Man, this is all I got for two more days. Uh, you know, no, I can't do it. No, what did he do? With a generous eye, here, I got some, some loaves and fishes, and he gave it to Jesus. And, of course, we know the story. He blessed it, fed over 5,000 people, including women and children that were extra, so maybe 10,000, you know. And there was 12 baskets left over. Now, I, I looked through the Scripture, Pastor, and I couldn't find this, of what happened to the leftover baskets. I, it, it's just, I, I couldn't find it. So I, it doesn't say, but I'll tell you what I think happened. I think Jesus took those, and he went back to that little boy. And I believe he said, here, thanks. See, he had a generous eye, and then he got blessed with double, triple, of what he gave. And that kid could have went and sold all that, you know? Or he could have went home, and man, the whole family that was there, yo, guys, we get Texas Roadhouse tonight! Woo! We got a meal, man! You know? I mean, we've been over in foreign countries. They, they don't have much at all. So, I mean, the whole family could have had a party and ate for days. We don't know. But I believe Jesus gave that back to that boy and said, thank you, and he blessed him. That's what I think happened. Now, some of you have maybe also, and again, that was spontaneous giving. Spontaneous giving. Now, some of you have maybe went out in this hallway back here, and you've seen this little table that we have set up here with Operation Christmas Child. Now, come on out there, Mr. Operation Christmas Child. So, Operation Christmas Child is obviously from Samaritan's Purse. Franklin Graham does this. How many of you guys help support Operation Christmas Child? Man, that is awesome. Raise your hand, dude. All right. <laughs> Listen, this is so amazing. And you know, and you may have went by that table and said, oh, I got to do that. I need to do that. And spontaneously, you and your family were like, man, we, we've got to do this. Because this is so amazing what happens here. Because it just, your gift, just fill up a tiny little box of toys, and it goes all the way around the world. And you know, now you can even track your own package. So if this package goes to Peru, you can find out where it went and what village it goes to and things of that nature, which is so amazing. And the, they preach the gospel to those kids. There's tracks that talk about giving your life to Jesus. They do salvation messages. Some of the places have never heard the name of Jesus in their life. So this is something that is spontaneous. It's so simple to do. And my gosh, it is one of the greatest things you can do for Christmas. And I have seen this in person happened when I was in the Dominican Republic in a kids crusade in a town of Betaona. It was a very, very poor town. 
The kids were so wild. As a matter of fact, we're in a public school. I'm teaching on love, and then there's fights breaking out after I teach on love. I got to break up the fights. Didn't I just talk to you about love? I mean, come on. But this is a video of when they opened up the boxes and gave the kids these Operation Christmas boxes. Check this out. Lo que quiere en su cajita, por encima de la cabeza. Ahí, que se vea bien, que se vea bonito. Ahí, 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 yo hice gozo, yo hice rey. Pero bien, mira, y con una risa de 300. Una risa de 300. Saquen esos dientes, saquen esos dientes. Saquen esos dientes con la cajita arriba. Vamos, los balones, ríjense con la cajita arriba, ríjense. Todito, todito. Eso, así mismo, con la cajita arriba. No la bajen todavía. No la bajen, pero ría. They, they wouldn't let the kids open the boxes there because they was afraid that fights would break out. Now, I got the privilege of talking to all those kids about Jesus, man. A lot of them gave their life to the Lord. We sowed tons of seeds there. And then so afterwards, they let the kids leave, and they started opening boxes. And I just have a couple pictures of some of the kids opening the boxes after it was all over. Well, not that little guy. I don't know why he's still there. But he got another one. There we go. Little girl, she was getting ready to open the box outside of the place we were at. I think there's another picture. Yeah, he got a, somebody gave him a flashlight, man. He was all pumped up about it. Listen, it was so awesome. I mean, I had tears coming down my eyes. It was just, it was so neat to kid, see the kids smiling and laughing. So this, this is so neat. So you really need to get involved. You can use your own box if you want to. The boxes that we have are a dollar. Um, it tells you how to do it online, or you can go back there. Miss Carol Swartz, Brianna Swartz, they're back here. We want to do at least 100 boxes this year. I think we're over halfway there, I think, right now. So we want to do at least 100 boxes. Get them out there. Go to the table afterwards, and they'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Go and, and do this with your family. It's so much fun. So we have until, unfortunately, next Sunday. So you got one week to go out and do it. Go to Five Below. Go to the dollar store, whatever you need to go. And just fill up that box with your family, pray over it, and then sign up to find out where it goes, and you all think you'll be blessed. Thank you, Tristan. Appreciate it, bro, bro. Give him a hand, everybody. Amen. Again, that's spontaneous giving, spontaneous giving. And most of the people give this way. We, we mostly give this way. But the next level of giving is what I call strategic giving. Strategic giving. This is a person who says we are going to plan to be generous. This is my wife. Everything is planned. All right? She's just so organized about everything. All right? So, you know, she plans it all. And tithe is one of those ways that we are strategic. We plan our tithe out. That's one way to be strategic. But check this out in Isaiah 32 8. Uh, let's see. Go there. Isaiah 32, 8. This was a cool scripture. I found this one. All right. It says, A generous man or woman devises generous things. The word devises there means he plans. He plans generous things. And by generosity, he shall stand. So they are strategic givers. In other words, they sit around going, hmm, honey, how can we have a generous eye? What can we do? You know, and a lot of you, you see the globe down here that we set up. And a lot of you say, you know what? We are going to be strategic in helping Pastor Dosek and Pastor Randy go overseas 
and take care of all the crusades and get people saved and build the wells and, and send tons of stuff for all the pastors to teach them and train them. You're strategic in that giving that we do. And then, of course, other times, there's other ways that you're strategic. Um, again, there's your tithing. There's the globes. We have the fund coming out here where you're strategic and giving a little bit uh, over your tithe to help pay this debt building down. You're strategic in that giving, and you can see everywhere we have letting you know how the building is, is getting paid off, where we're at on the next level, the next step. You're strategic in doing that with your family. And listen, make sure you add your kids in that as well. Because how else are they going to learn if you don't tell them nothing? All right? Let them know what's happening. Let them know this is what we're doing as a family. And let them know why. And make sure that they're praying with you and that they're agreeing with you. Don't leave your kids out of it. They're part, they got more faith than you. So make sure that you add them in on what's going on. Amen? All right? So that's what we do. Uh, we give to our globe. We do these. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Pastor appreciation. Yeah, that was one I wrote down. Some of you are strategic in pastor appreciation. And the only reason I wrote this down was, was because I went into Nicole's office, I think two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. And there was a little card on the desk that said, Pastors uh, Randy and Nicole Waters. I was like, ah, cool, man. I love cards. I opened it up. I read it. It said, Pastor appreciation. And all this, I was like, oh, that's really nice. And all of a sudden, money fell out. And I was like, what? Money fell out. And so I picked it all up, and I'm counting it. And there was $500 in that envelope. See, now I know how you guys feel about pastor appreciation. It's awesome. I got to get out of the kids' church more. I got to get up in here, you know? So, and you know, but here's what happened. As soon as I saw that, guilt tried to come on me. I thought, I don't deserve this. And you know, and I didn't say it out loud because if I would have, Nicole would have taken it all. Exactly. exactly. Instantly. So I just assumed that, okay, 250 was for me and 250 was for her, you know? So, but... I think you took it all, I don't know, I think I, I, think I kept some from you or whatever. But, but you're strategic in that aspect of your giving. The strategic givers, that's fantastic. The wise men were strategic in the gifts that they went and gave Jesus when they found him. They were strategic. I am bringing myrrh, I am bringing gold, I am bringing frankincense. And they may have had others, but they were strategic in their giving. They knew what they wanted to give Jesus, and I'm sure that's to sustain him for a long time, and his family as well. Strategic giving. So we have spontaneous giver, we have strategic givers, and finally, we have sacrificial givers. These type of givers know that, listen, what I have does not belong to me. None of it. It all belongs to God, and whatever He wants, I will do. These type of people, when they give, they feel it. Ooh, man, that, ooh, I felt that when I gave that. But yet, it feels good. It feels real good. Remember, it's better to give than receive. I love it when I get a gift. It does feel good. It's, it's, it's like, some, it's like I don't know. It feels great. So it's the sacrificial giver. Now you can be wealthy and be a sacrificial giver, and you don't have to have a lot and be a sacrificial giver. Listen, my dad didn't have a lot of money. Didn't have a lot of money at all. But that guy was a sacrificial giver. He had a generous eye. I, don't, I could probably, he, he's helped so many of you in your homes. And your businesses fix something, he can fix anything and everything. And a lot of times he wouldn't charge you a dime. 
And I'd say, hey, Dad, you know, how much did you make on that job? Nothing. What? Dad. He was a sacrificial giver. Right? And he didn't have a lot. Now let's look on. Let's see, Solomon, when he was crowned king in 1 Chronicles 29, 21, now he could have sacrificed just one bull. That was the requirement. That was it. Instead, though, he wanted to be a sacrificial giver, and he sacrificed a thousand bulls. A thousand. He could have sacrificed only one ram. That was the requirement. He sacrificed a thousand rams. And he could have sacrificed just one sheep, but he sacrificed, you guessed it, 1,000 sheep. Dude, that was thousands and thousands of dollars coming out of his pocket. His pocket. Because he's a sacrificial giver unto God. And we all know that he's blessed beyond measure. Beyond measure. Sacrificial giving. Let's see. Uh, there's a couple other examples. Everybody know who Dave Green is? Who owns Hobby Lobby? I, I was looking him up. And you know, they're born-again Christians. They love God. But he wrote a book called Giving It All Away and Getting It All Back. Anybody read that book? Now, Gerald, I'm surprised you didn't read that book. You need to go get that book. <laughs> Giving It All Away and Getting It All Back. He gives away half of everything they make. Half. Now, he's only worth $7.6 billion. Only. And he gives half of it away half and he says every time I do this I increase I increase 60 to 70 stores a year every time I do this he can't outgive God you can't outgive God he has a generous eye that's unbelievable that's phenomenal to me he says it comes through him and to him but it goes through him half of everything he makes that's awesome everybody else know Mike Lindell uh, the My Pillow guy, we've all seen his commercials on TV. This guy wrote a book on what are the odds. He went from cocaine addict to CEO. And he's worth oh, $389 million or something like that. He had a rough life, lost his family and four kids because of crack addiction. And then he got a girlfriend who was a Christian and said, You need to give your life to Jesus. He said, Let's go. And he got saved. He got saved. Then God began to give him dreams about the My Pillow. And what to do. And he gives hundreds of thousands of dollars away to Salvation Army of his pillows and his blankets and stuff. And to the homeless shelters and things like sacrificial giving. Because he knows it doesn't belong to him. It belongs to God. How many of you guys shop at Aldi's? My wife shops at Aldi's all the time. Have you ever got their eggs and you open it up and a scripture verse falls out? That's That's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, that comes from Rose Acre Farms, and they are Christians, and they are the second largest egg producers in America. And they love God with all their heart. They take care of every need, they say, that their community has. Every need. They build orphanages. They, do, uh, they build uh, stuff for pets and animals. They do all kinds of stuff with all their money because they say they know that it comes from God, and it's not theirs. So every time you eat an egg, you're helping them give, which is awesome. And of course, there's so many others out there. in and out Burger, they're also one of them if you eat there. Um, we all know this guy, Jesse Duplantis. We all know Jesse. He comes here every year. They're, out of everybody that I looked up that were rich, okay, I've never seen anybody, I couldn't find that's given away three planes 
Three planes like Jesse Duplantis gave away. Three. Three of them. Those are millions and millions of dollars. And he gave them away. Gave them away. He's, he has paid off people's churches. He's paid off people's homes. He's given cars away. You know, when we were on vacation with him a uh, long, long, tw 20, uh, 20 years ago or, or something, 18 years ago or something, he got a call and he got a $250,000 royalty check. He still gets royalty checks for his music that he wrote for Elvis Presley and whoever else that he, he did songs for. So he still gets royalty checks for all of them. And he looked at Kathy and says, what are you supposed to do with this, Kathy? And she said, oh, I don't know. We don't have any needs. And he's like, well, I guess we'll just give it into the ministry. And I was like, he ignored me, apparently. So they just, they just gave it away. They, they, gave it, they gave it away. He says that when, when the devil tries to attack him in his funds, he gives. The office gets calls. Where's Jesse? Oh, he must be at the mall again. He's buying everybody everything at the mall. Because, you know what, the devil's not going to attack me because I'm going to give when he attacks. You know, we've seen it personally. Personally. Goes up to late. You like that dress? Yes, I do. I'd like to buy that for you. Why? Because God has blessed me and I want to bless you. Okay, sure. That's awesome. Awesome. That's just it. We know that guy. He is a strategic giver, but he is also a big-time giver, sacrificial giver. All right, so um, let's look at another one here. Mark 12, 41, Jesus was watching the people give offerings. And out of all the people giving, there was one person who felt it when she gave. <laughs> the widow gave all that she had out of her poverty, the two mites. And Jesus said, yo, disciples, come over. I want to teach you something. This lady gave and she felt it. She felt it. There was others giving a lot, but it was out of their abundance. It wasn't out of their need, out of their poverty, out of their leftovers. It wasn't like Cain. Cain gave out of his leftovers, made sure he had enough first, unlike Abel. No, she gave all that she had. And I guarantee after that day, blessing started to overtake her. Amen? 2 Kings 4, there was a woman with a generous eye who fed Elisha every time he came by. And then she had her husband build a small room for him. Honey, we've got to do something for this guy. He's a prophet. He does great things. Let's build him a room so every time he comes by, we'll not only be able to feed him now, but we can clothe him and help him now. She had no needs, none at all. She was a big giver. She was a sacrificial giver. And one day, Elisha said, hey, what do you need? And she said, nothing. But yet the servant says, hey, Elisha, she has no kids. No kids. And so Elisha says, yo, woman, you're going to have a child. And man, she got a little testy with him. Don't you dare mess with me, prophet. She said that. You can read it. Don't mess with me like that, dude. Don't be telling me lies. Uh-uh. And next year she had a kid. But see, here's the thing about blessing sometimes. What happened to that child? The Bible says he died. He died. See, and remember, the devil's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God's the one that comes to give us life, give it abundantly, and he's the one that blesses. So just because a blessing comes doesn't mean that the devil's going to leave you alone. He didn't leave that lady alone. No, the baby died. The son died. I think he was older, as a matter of fact. He died. But what did she do? Did she just cry and give up? No, man, she went and found that prophet. You gave me a son, and he's dead. What are you going to do about it? Man, she did not give up. And so, of course, the Bible says Elisha came. And, you know, that miracle looked like it was a little tough. It looked like that he was praying, 
praying. He goes in. He lays down on him. Nothing. He comes out. He's praying again. Goes back in. Lays down on him. Now he's warm. Comes back out. He's praying. Listen, sometimes it's going to be a little rough. Sometimes we're going to have to stand. And when you've, all, when you've done all to stand, you continue to stand. You just don't give up. Because God is good all the time. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, turn your Bibles. This last scripture verse, Acts 4.33. Acts 4.33. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to start in verse 33 here. It says here, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Check this out. And 34. Nor were there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each, each one that needed or it had a need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, he also having land decided... That he was going to sell it. So he sold it and brought the money and laid it also at the feet of the apostles. Wow, that's awesome. That's sacrificial giving, amen? But see, now there's a, there's a twist to that too because if you read on down, there's a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> and they wanted to get in on this action. They wanted to get in on the blessing. So they strategically said, we're going to also sell our land. And we're going to give our money to the Lord as well. But after they sold the land, they saw the money that was coming in from that land, they had second thoughts. And instead of doing what they said they were going to do, they only gave partial of the money to the Lord. And of course, they got um, talked to about it, they lied about it, and both of them died. I'm not saying that's going to happen to us. Woo! <laughs> but when you say you're going to do something, when you're going to bless somebody, you need to do it. You need to follow through with it, no matter the cost. Oh, this is going to be a little more than I thought. It doesn't matter. You said you're going to do it. You do it. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what happened to poor Ananias and Sapphira. Yikes. The woman at Zarephath, she, she was generous. Okay, but what happened was that she was going to die, have a little bit of cake, have a little bit of water, and die. Well, the prophet comes by and says, yo, yo can, you, can you give me some water? Well, sure. Okay, I guess so. And can you go ahead and make me a cake first? Sure, why not? That was her last. That was all she had. She was going to die after that. But she instead blessed the prophet because... I'm sure she said, you know what? I'm going to be the strategic giver. I'm going to be the sacrificial giver here. I'm going to have a generous eye, even though it's all I have, and I may die. But maybe, just maybe, something will happen when I do this. And you know what? It did happen, as you know. God did bless her and take care of her. So, But the rich young ruler didn't have a generous eye, did he? No, he told Jesus, man, I have a lot. I own a lot. I can't do it. And walked away sad. Didn't have a generous eye. Ananias and Sapphira didn't have a generous eye. And now Christmas is coming. 
And so when you watch all those movies about Ebenezer Scrooge, you'll see that he also did not have a, genera- a generous eye. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So, in closing, be spontaneous. All right? When you see a need, have a generous eye and deal with it. And it doesn't necessarily have to do with money. I was driving down 309 here not too long ago. I think I was going to the Kenton campus to, to, to spray their building inside. And as I'm driving, I see over at the, right before you get um, to the, uh, uh, wherever the place is over there, there was the, there's a graveyard there. And all of a sudden I see a lady trying to pull up somebody and she fell. They were sitting at a gravesite. I, I just, boom, I turned, I did a, a 360 on 309. I swung back around there, got out of my truck, went over to her, and I helped the lady get up. And she was trying to, her and her daughter were, were there at her husband's gravesite. And, and they were crying and they were mourning and, and she couldn't get her mother up. And so I helped get her mother up and I helped her get her into her car. Again, a generous eye. Nothing to do with finances, but I was blessing them the way I could at the time. So when you see a need, guys, meet it. Give strategically. Make it a prayerful part of your planning as a family. And as God continues to bless you, I believe that you will be able to give sacrificially. All right, do these in every area of your life. Your giving, knowledge, influence, talents, and giftings. And watch God increase you even more. Amen? Let's pray. Father, right now we come before you. God, I thank you for, for this message. God, I thank you that it just pierced the hearts of your kids today. God, it pierced my heart as well. And right now, God, I just curse pride and shame from people's lives that feel those ways as blessing comes. God, take that away in the name of Jesus. God, let them know that it's there for you. That God, that it's there to not only bless them, but to bless others. There's no place for shame, no place for arrogance or pride in their life. Humble them, Father. We thank you for continuing to bless each and every one of your children. I thank you, Lord God, that you receive all the great, all the honor for it. It brings people to salvation. It raises your kingdom. It blesses you, as the Bible said. God, I thank you for these things. I thank you for opening doors, God, that only you can open and close the doors that should be closed. I thank you for lighting our path, God, and sending us the ways that that will help us be prosperous and help us be blessed. God, I thank you for those things today, this morning, talking to us, leading us and guiding us in every way. Father, we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Pastor, come on up. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. generous eye. Hallelujah. Today we're going to do a couple of things. I want to address some things. Seems like everybody has uh, become depressed, disoriented, and don't know what's going on. Well, nobody does until a fat lady has sung, as they say. But 
first thing we're going to do, we're going to receive communion, communion this morning. Gentlemen, may I have you come forward? These are self-contained, so you will be able to open them. Uh, they, they're sealed. They come to us sealed. And uh, Father, today we come before you with the sacraments, the representatives of the symbolism, the types of Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. God, we thank you today as we gather in unity. God, that we express our faith in Christ Jesus. Not in a world, but God in Christ Jesus. Now, God, we ask you to bless these sacraments. And God, we receive them with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please distribute. received of the Lord Jesus Christ that I've delivered unto you and in the night that he was betrayed he took bread and he broke it and he said 
Take this and eat. This is my body that was broken for you. As long as you do this in remembrance of me, you do show faith in my death, in my resurrection. Then he took the blood and he said, this is my blood, which is the New Testament. This do in remembrance of me. Today, we need to remember that Jesus is our source. That no matter what takes place in the world, that Jesus is still Lord. Many times things happen in life. They happen nationally. They happen internationally. They happen worldwide. They happen in our families, our communities. But what we must always do is remember that Jesus is our source. Man is not our source. No matter what they do, they're not our source. No matter what they plan, they are not our source. No matter what goes into motion, they are not our source. Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for you. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13 that Jesus' body was broken, that the curse would be broken over your life and that you might be blessed with the blessing of Abraham. This is the promise of God. Amen. We, first of all, are Christians. Secondly, we are Americans. Thirdly, we are individuals. Remember today that Jesus has already made provision for you. Maybe you have not reached that place. Maybe you are going to go into a place. But know this, that he has not left you, nor has he forsaken you. He is our source. Let us eat. Jesus said, take, eat, for this is my blood that is shed for you. This is the blood of the covenant that never ends. It is the blood that says that we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is the blood that says that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It is the blood that says we once were dead, but now we are alive. It is the blood that says we were enemies, but now we are sons and daughters of God. It is the blood that says we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is the blood that says we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. God is on our side. We are united with God in an eternal covenant keep faith in Christ stay under the power of the blood declare your testimony and overcome the power of the devil let us drink now let me address all the depressed the forlorn the confused the discouraged we live in a democracy.
democracy is two-sided. It has one party, it has another party. But we as Americans are to accept the outcome of the way of democracy, the majority rules. Amen? Now, we rejoice when it goes our way. But then we get despiteful, confused, disoriented, separated, defragmented, and we just don't know what to do or where to go when what we don't want, we don't get. That is nothing but self-centeredness, and it is nothing except faith in men. You and I have just went through the election of a president. It is not yet sealed because the sitting president has the right to challenge and to demand that every vote get counted. But however it comes out, our faith is in Christ Jesus. However it comes out, we are still Americans. However it comes out, we will go on and the process of democracy will again repeat itself in four years. Maybe you'll be happy then, maybe you'll be sad again, I don't know. But what I do know is that we do not become disrespectful, we do not become faithless, we do not become antagonistic, we do not become divisive. We first of all protect our witness for we are the light of the world. Secondly, we join with other Americans that are living in this nation. Now, whether I think it went right or whether I don't think that it went right, it doesn't matter. Whether I get my way or whether I don't get my way, it doesn't matter. When democracy seats a president, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, it does not matter. My job as one that is an American that protects democracy must accept its outcome. We must, well, I think it was this, I think it was that. That's where it falls in the law or the legal court system of America. And if it comes out that Joe Biden has won, then Joe Biden is my president. If it comes out that Donald Trump has won, then Donald Trump is my president. But either way, the Bible has already commissioned me and commanded me that I am to pray for the leaders of this nation. I am not to speak evil against this nation or its leaders. I do not have to agree with its programs, its uh, legislations or so forth, and I can voice my opinion against them, but not against the office.
that has been set by God Romans the 14th chapter so I encourage you the people that voted for the other side that you didn't vote for they're not your enemy it is their day you had your day now let them have their day good again amen now a lot, a lot of you are thinking like you know liberals you know uh, freedom of speech is fine as long as I get to say what I want to say no 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 we live in a democracy it's the greatest nation in the world it may have its flaws but it is what it is and we will not cause democracy to become unacceptable or will we reject it in our life and in our families so i encourage you stop worrying about who the president is and just start reinforcing who your source is amen jesus is our source amen praise god so let's pray for our nation pray for the man that is going to be the president of the united states of america when we find out who it's going to be and uh hey maybe someplace they've lost 25 million votes that had me wrote in it's hard telling right father in the name of jesus as your people we are a people of unity we are a people of peace our commission is not to rule this world. Our purpose is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature that they may be saved. We pray, God, that you would open up the eyes of America, that they may see their need for Jesus Christ. Open up our mouths that we may speak, God, without reservation without fear god that god we will speak boldly for there's only one hope god we pray that you would help every believer continue to have faith in christ as their source as their provider god we live in this world and we will live in it peaceably by praying for those in leadership God lead us, let us be people of faith, fortitude, focus, and purpose. The real kingdom purpose, God, is what is at stake. Now, God, we thank you for it. Unite us, let us be strong, let us be committed, let us be faithful. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Wednesday night I'm teaching on the authority of the believer. Hey, live streamers, we're so glad that you could join us today. Be sure to check out all of our social media platforms, and we can't wait to see you next time.